Welcome to episode number 149 of the Jackson Hole Connection, recording right here in beautiful downtown Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Support for this episode comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, which is reminding you to reduce, reuse, recycle, and compost. Avoid using those pesky single-use products whenever possible. And remember, bring your reusable bags with you while you go shopping. Keep them in your car or in your bike for convenience. Also, when hungry for breakfast or lunch, think of the deli at Jackson Hole Marketplace. We're using fresh baked bread and boar's head and Cy Ginsberg meats to build amazing yum. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stephen Clark Abrams, your host. Many thank you to all of the returning listeners and welcome to all of you new listeners. To help other people find and enjoy this podcast, be sure to give us a rating. I love the five stars and put a few words in there. You like us, I sound good, or my voice is much better looking than my face. So I feel that we all have a story to share, which is why I created this podcast. I look forward to sharing everybody's story right here in Jackson Hole with the rest of the world. I feel that we can all learn so much from each other and bringing stories to you can help you have a better life and a more impactful day. My guest today is Deidre Ashley, the executive director of a critical community organization, the Jackson Hole Community Counseling Center. Deidre is one of the few people who, who graduated from high school right here in Jackson Hole and returned after college to live in this fabulous community and contribute back to the community she loves. Deidre shares with us today the importance of bringing the conversation of mental health and mental wellness into our everyday regular conversations. As a society, we are very comfortable discussing our physical health. We talk about making great investments in gym memberships. How far did you run? How much weights did you lift? Buying club memberships, workout clothes, and what diet you're on this month. But when it comes to mental health, we forget to invest in that aspect of our life, and we forget to have conversations around mental health. Removing the barriers around mental health is critical, and today Deidre shares with us many of the resources available in this community and communities around the country if you need help. Deidre, thank you for joining me here today. The Jackson Hole Connection, wonderful to see you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for inviting me to come on your show, your little you, podcast. You bet. Um, you carry a heavy, heavy weight and important role in our community. And um, I apologize that it has taken so long to have you, um, to ask you to be a guest. So thank you for, for taking the time. I, I enjoy starting the, the episode with people sharing the story of how you landed here in Jackson and what is your story. So let's start there. Uh, well, I landed here uh, with my mom. She moved here, um, I think, um, when I was in junior high. So like seventh or eighth grade, which would have been in the, the mid 80s at some point, which I'm dating myself there, but that's okay. <laughs> And um, graduated from high school here, went away to the University of Wyoming. I was going to get a degree in political science and go to law school and then move away and, you know, go to a big city and 
do all kinds of big city stuff. And it just didn't work out that way. Actually, I, I had to be down in Laramie for an extra semester due to some scheduling issues and decided, well, while I'm here, I might as well get a minor and psychology was the easiest one to do. So I uh, got a minor in psychology, was really interested, went back and got um, an additional degree in psychology, and then uh, started working in the field. I worked for years with uh, people with developmental disabilities and brain injuries, and uh, really found my interest spot in that behavioral health world, the mental health piece. And so went back and and got my master's degree. And here I am still in Jackson. And uh, I don't know how many years it's been, but um, still loving it. And what keeps me here is uh, the the community. It's just an amazing community that it has so many different facets to it. Um, We are like a uh, a small town in so many ways, but we also have the influence of, you know, we've got some global in- influence. So we're not, you know, like every day, we're just unique, which I know everybody kind of shuns us for saying that, but um, Teton County thinks they're special. Well, we are special. <laughs> and I think we should take pride in that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how I got here and, and, and stayed here. I uh, definitely thought I was going to end up somewhere else away from, you know, where I graduated high school, but yeah, this community and the, the people and uh, the relationships and just the uniqueness keeps me here. So. Well, I'm thrilled that you are still here, that you came back after going to UW and getting a degree. And did you ever practice as a psychologist after um, the master's? I, um, I have, uh, I actually did my internship at the counseling center okay. while I was getting my uh, while I was getting my master's and um, I still see uh, a handful of, of patients, clients, um, just because that's what really got me interested in the field. Uh, but the majority of my time is spent doing more of that uh, admin um, policy, you know, that, that different bench. And share with folks what you're doing now, because not everybody knows who you are. Uh, Well, I'm the executive director for Jackson Hole Community Counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been in that position for almost 10 years. And, uh, you know, as part of that, you know, the counseling center has been around for almost 50 years. And our main purpose is to provide essential mental health services, regardless of the ability to pay. So offering services, a full, like wide range of, of safety net services, anything from uh, 24 hour crisis support to um, individual group therapy, you know, we have a drop in center. And, um, you know, my job is to, I mean, I wouldn't say run, <laughs> run the organization, but, you know, make sure it has the, the sort of resources and make sure we're, we're valid and, and doing what we're supposed to be doing. So we keep it viable and thriving. That's, That's I mean, yeah. It wouldn't happen without you. I'm not sure about that, but thank you for for the support. Um, I'm just a small piece of um, a large organization that employs um, a great many really dedicated and really qualified and wonderful people. How many people does the Counseling Center employ? We have about 27 uh, employees, if you count. Um, We've got a couple prescribers and about 15 therapists and um, case managers and admin support. So. Mm -hmm. Altogether, about 30, 27 to 30. And you you mentioned a crisis hotline. Is that run by the Counseling Center? It is. 
Yeah, 24 hours a day during um, our office hours, you can actually walk into our building and speak with a therapist um, if you need to. And crisis is just um, if, if there's something people feel like they need to talk about, you know, you don't need to be um, suicidal or, you know, at that high level, just if you feel the need, you can come in and, and talk to anybody. Um, there's never a charge for that. And then after business hours, our regular phone line gets turned over to the therapist on call. Um, I was actually just on call last night. So we all share that responsibility and take whatever calls that come in. So 24 hours a day, you can always read somebody to talk. And, and what's that number, DJ? It's uh, 307-733-2046. And I've seen the, a crisis hotline number and where there's been requests for people to volunteer to man the hotline. Is, is that the same number? We just have, we have one number in, here in the community or is there a different number? Um, that one is, is specifically for the counseling center and it is okay. always manned by either our office or one of our therapists. Uh -huh. um, the, there is a national suicide hotline, the 1-800-273-TALK is their number. And we actually have a, a local call center that operates out of Casper and we coordinate with them. So if there is somebody who calls from this area who needs some local sort of intervention or extra support, we, we coordinate with them and, and try to get in touch with, get the person in touch with where they need to go. And you mentioned if somebody's in crisis, and and you said very well that doesn't necessarily mean that someone is suicidal. So how is crisis defined? So somebody can feel comfortable walking in or calling the number, but they know that it's available to them as well. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a very personal issue. But um, you know, if if you feel like it is um, serious enough that it's interfering with your ability to either cope or you know, progress through your day, then it's, it's definitely worth a call. We tend to get a lot of people who are, you know, on the edge of that sort of suicidal, you know, talking things through, we do some coaching for some of our clients who are working through what's called DBT or dialectical behavior therapy, which is sort of skills and, and coping training. And so we do some coaching through the, the crisis line for that. And then, you know, a lot of times it's supporting people who are worried about a loved one or have had some um, event happen, you know, either a death or, you know, a serious event that affects them or a loved one. And, you know, just calling with some support for, you know, how to navigate through that if it's finding help for their, their loved one or if it's just, you know, getting a little extra support for themselves. I'm, I'm glad that we have that in our community. Um, my personal feeling is our community doesn't do a good enough job of really sharing what's happening out there. The fact that we have real world issues in such a small town. In the paper, you see a lot about the animals or what's going on in a development area or you know what's happening in the park, the water flows, but you don't hear about the mental health problems that this community has or the other problems. And it's, I guess it's not the stuff that sells ads and papers. 
Yeah, it's one of those things that, um, you know, we're part of the the Human Service Council. Um, some people call us the Big Ten, but they're um, nonprofit agencies that, you know, we've been working together um, since the late 80s um, to coordinate and collaborate services. But, you know, we, we, we have talked about that. Of These aren't issues that are really attractive to talk about. They're uncomfortable issues. And it's it's something that you don't really pay attention to until you need to pay attention to it, um, which I think is just it, it makes sense. It's it's kind of human nature. But I I think you're right. I think you know talking more about what's going on in our community and what's available, what what people are doing, I think is is one of the great things that's come out of the pandemic. Is people are talking more about mental health. They're talking about how it is okay to not be okay. It's okay to be struggling because at some point, every single one of us was struggling, um, you know, during over the last year and a half. And that normalized it a little. And so, you know, taking it to the next step of, well, then what do you do? So that you can catch issues before they get to be more serious. And it doesn't always mean that you have to, you know, actually go in and see a professional or, um, you know, go in and, and get typical like therapy or, um, you know, it could just mean learning how to respond to each other. Like, what do you do if, if you notice a friend is struggling with, like, what do you say? A lot of people will go to their friends, family, um, clergy, they'll go to the people who are their support systems first. And so, you know, some of it is just teaching everybody how to be comfortable with having the conversation. Well said. Teaching everyone how to feel comfortable having the conversation. Thank you for saying, making that statement. And I think that's um, especially important when it comes to, you know, the suicide, the suicide conversation. So many people don't want to say the wrong thing or are afraid, like, what if, you know, somebody does tell me that? And, you know, just like um, learning CPR and first aid, like the more you learn it and know it, the more comfortable you are actually dealing with something when it happens. And so again, like, you know, making it more of a, an everyday conversation of this happens, it's normal. What, what do I do if, if one of my loved ones is having an issue? Well, I'm glad you just brought it up. <laughs> Suicide. And thank you for saying the more people talk about it, the more likely it would be easy to have those conversations. It's always difficult at first. Why do you feel we as a, is it a society thing that we steer away from those? Is it a taboo conversation? What makes it uncomfortable and something that we steer away from? Well, I think there's a lot of um, shame and guilt and um, judgment that that happens around suicide particularly, but mental health in general, that it's it's not seen the same way as physical ailments. Like you would never judge somebody for seeking help for um, diabetes per se. But um, for some reason, you know, it's viewed as, you know, if you're having intrusive thoughts or if you're struggling with a mental illness, whether that's depression, anxiety, you know, bipolar dis- disorder, um, you know, it's a full continuum of, um, of disorders, but it's seen as, as kind of a weakness or a flaw in character. Um, and I think that that whole culture is shifting and, you know, we are starting to, to see it more as, you know, this is, this is a health issue. Mm-hmm. rather than, uh, you know, there's something wrong with you. 
I think that's particularly true for certain pockets. Um, we do live in Wyoming and, you know, nothing against men, but they, um, they tend to um, express their emotions in different ways and are probably more reluctant to seek help when they need it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, offering support for, um, for that population that might be just easier to take. I don't know if you've seen, um, I don't know if you ride the bus, but we have some ads for man therapy, which Teton County supports. We have a license. Um, Mantherapy.org is um, an organization that specifically provides resources and information and education geared towards men. So there's a lot of humor in it, but it it sort of normalizes um, some of the questions that guys might have um, about seeking. So they have like little or taglines like you can't fix your mental health with duct tape and you know those kind of things so it just it, it just targets in a different way but it's very creative um i just wrote it down mantherapy.org correct yeah men just don't talk about stuff <laughs> and unless it's sports or around here hunting skiing hiking okay. how far you can run in one day <laughs> Yeah. And I, you know, I think part of it is how men are sort of socialized growing up, you know, not all men there, there are certainly exceptions to the rule, but, you know, I think in, in today's world, it's a particularly sensitive issue because, you know, men are taught to be strong, be sort of providers for their families. And if they're struggling, it's kind of, it is seen as a weakness and, Specific to what's going on in, in, in Jackson, like with so many people struggling financially. And that's not just that that lower level where it has been in the past. There are always people who have been struggling, you know, to make ends meet in Jackson. It is very expensive. But over the last year and a half, what we've seen is it, it keeps moving up, up and up into sort of more of that middle class, more of that professional level. So here you have um, people who may not have struggled with that stuff before, and all of a sudden you know, they're, they're questioning their ability to sort of provide for themselves and, and family. And I think that that's a really important issue that we, we need, really need to pay attention to, um, not just for, for that population, but, um, you know, for our community. This is something that has been exasperated over the last year, but not entirely due to just the pandemic. So mm. it's really important to, to keep an eye on each other, especially as business owners, right? Indeed. Um, like, you know, the stress of um, what it is to run a, a, a business here where, um, you know, we're, we're all short staffed <laughs> and summer is so busy. So we went from having this shutdown, this complete sort of um, shutdown, which had its own stressors to bam, the busiest summer on record, you know, whether it is or not, I don't know, but it feels that way, right? And having fewer and fewer employees adds stress to the people who are working and then also, you know, the people who are trying to run a business. So very, very true. Um, I certainly see it with with my staff and they feel much better now than we did back in April. In April, I think there was lots of concern of like, what are we going to do? But we've been very fortunate. But I mean, we still need more people, but they're they're happier than where we were back in April with where we thought we would be now. DJ, this is uh, phenomenal content and conversation. I'm sorry. We have to take a quick break to have a word from one of our sponsors, and then we will be right back with more conversation. 
Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling wants to remind you to bring your reusable bags whenever you go shopping for groceries or other locations in town. Reusable bags are good for the environment and your wallet. Remember to wash those reusable bags to keep the germs away and off your food. As a community, we've already helped remove millions of single-use plastic bags from the waste stream. Now let's reduce the number of paper bags purchased. Food waste composting in addition to yard waste composting is available at the Trash Transfer Station facilities. Call 733-7678 for up-to-date hours of operations. Additional support comes from the Vault of Jackson Hole, Jackson Hole's newest and only climate-controlled wine storage facility and offering temperature-controlled storage for businesses. Call 307-248-6392 to connect today. DJ, welcome back. We're talking about the monumental work that you and your staff does for our community over at the Jackson Hole Community Counseling Center. And um, you just shared with us mantherapy.org for all of those men out there who aren't sure who to talk to or how to open up a conversation. And we talked a little bit about suicide and some stressors of how the pandemic, one aspect of it, of what it has done a benefit is people are more willing to talk about mental health. And you also started getting into um, other stressors that are happening in, in our community. And, and one of those is housing. How much does secure housing play into people's mental health? I mean, I think it's huge. You know, in school, they teach you about um, Maslow's hierarchy of need. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a little triangle. And up at the top is the, the self-actualization. And there are um, certain, you know, different levels that, that get to you there. Um, the bottom one um, is basic needs, um, food, shelter, you know, personal safety. And if you don't have that, or if you're constantly worried about that and everything that that brings, it's really hard to focus and do the work and work on the next steps for your mental health. You know, you, you, um, at different levels, if you're constantly stressed, um, like that takes over everything. It drives your perception. It drives your every sort of decision. It drives your, your waking thoughts. And if you're at a crisis level, then basically you're in crisis for, you know, 24 seven, it's going to affect your sleep. It's going to affect your, um, your health. It's going to affect, you know, all kinds of things. And it just has a snowball effect. So, you know, I think it's, it, it is really important. Um, and I think it's, it's important that we're having the discussion, knowing that, we're in a severe housing crisis right now. You know, it's affecting almost all aspects of our community, but it's not, you know, if we solved our housing problems, it wouldn't necessarily, our, our behavioral health issues wouldn't go away. We would still have those, but I think it, it could go a long way in helping sort of the general population. You know, you can, you can just feel around town in conversations that you're having, like there's this kind of buzz that's going around town with, um, you know, everybody knows somebody. Um, who has lost their house. So. And it's it's across the board. I mean, lawyers, doctors, accountants, waiters, house cleaners, mechanics, they're all losing their housing. It's all it's all happening. So it's across it, it's it's a shame. It's 
It really is. Cause what's going to happen with our community when these core people can't find a place to live. Yeah. And they, they usually to, end up leaving. Right. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. if they have to commute, um, there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with commuting, but now it's even tough to find a place to live. That's in a reasonable commute. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. It just keeps, um, sort of broadening, um, that drive. So, which, you know, out. yeah, even that can, can sort of add to it, especially if you have, you know, families, um, yeah. like being able to spend time with kids and, um, supervision and stuff raises, you know, potentially the risk for, um, having issues, behavior issues with their kids or, you know, your script, your kids struggling. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it, it's a, it's an issue that's affecting, like you said, everyone right now. I'm, I'm interested to know from a provider such as your yourself, the organization you work with, when people have health insurance, do you see that their health insurance is really supportive of good mental health in addition to the physical health? I think um, like, you know, like all sort of aspects of health, it depends on the insurance, but I will say you know, with, with having uh, parity insurance plans have to give the same attention to mental health and substance use um, as they do other health issues. So I think we've, we've been seeing an increase in their attention and their coverage of those issues. What tends to be the problem for a lot of the people that, that we run into is insurance is, is super expensive, but if you do have it, um, a lot of times you have a huge deductible. And so, and, you know, while you're trying to meet your deductible, um, you're paying full price for all your services, but, you know, especially for, for mental health. So, you know, providing some, some support for that time when somebody is, you know, still working on their deductible. I think that's, that's where it's important for us. Usually we're seeing the most requests for adjustments to fees in that, you know, January, February, and March area. Why in the January, February, March? Um, that's when um, the deductible of the year, the calendar oh. year overturns. And so deductibles are new again. Mm-hmm. Okay. When looking at mental health and where we are in our community, what are resources that in any community, because people could be listening anywhere um, to this, to give people skills or the tools to know to begin sharpening their skills about talking about suicide? Um, Suicide in particular, I think is something that, I mean, there's information all over the place, but at the counseling center, we offer a a training. It's called safe talk. Um, It's a three hour training that teaches community members how to recognize and ask the question and find the right resource for somebody who might be struggling with suicidal thoughts. So that's, that's one thing. There are a, a couple different versions. There's also QPR question, persuade and respond, which is a, a shorter version. If anybody has any um, questions or wants to do a class, we do those for free year round. We usually have one going I mean, once a quarter um, on those, but trying to get the information out there as much as possible. We teach that to students in high school um, because that is an area of, of risk in, our, in any community as um, adolescents for sure. And then, um, you know, uh, 
we do have a prevention coalition. Uh, it's hosted by public health or uh, the Department of Health with the county. Um, and their website has a lot of information on there as well. I, I didn't know that you guys provided the, the training, the free training. And I didn't know that you went into the high school as well and did that. That's, that's fabulous. Yeah, we do um, those trainings. And then we, uh, we also offer a, um, a more comprehensive training. It's called Mental Health First Aid. It's a national program. And it's uh, an eight-hour course, which is a little bit harder for most people to do, but it just spans all different types of mental health and substance use um, crises. So it is like CPR. It teaches just ordinary sort of citizens how to recognize and respond to a multitude of mental health issues. What's the frequency that uh, such a class is taught here, here in town? Um, we have been doing it once a month. We usually slow down in the summer because people are so busy. It's hard for them to um, take you know a whole day out of their schedules. We're also looking at breaking it up to do um, like two hour sessions over the course of a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And somebody can sign up to be put on the list from the wet your website. Um, not from our website, but they can always contact us. Okay. We, when we're, whenever we're doing these, these trainings, we put out a flyer on our social media and, you know, through the various listservs. But if anyone is interested and they're not on any of those, they can just give us a call and we can put them on the list and let them know when the next one is. How many people do you think you all have trained in, in the big mental health first aid? Um, we've had trainers for the last, uh, I want to say five years. And we do them at least quarterly. So I would say um, probably a hundred people a year. So, you know, over the course of five years, about a, you know, 500 people or so. How many would you like to see? Are you guys Uh, at a maximum per class? There, there is, you can, um, you can have about 25 and that's when not doing it through zoom that's in person. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think I would love to see every class full, but knowing that, you know, eight hours is a lot of time to give up. Uh, when people are so busy, but um, I would love to reach that thousand level. Yeah. Um, And we're, you know, we get to the point where, uh, you know, just with turnover in the community, um, if we're able to, to keep a certain amount of people in various fields, Mm right. You know, I think that that bodes well, I can always tell a difference with somebody who has taken the course Um, or at least some sort of course in how they're responding, even if they're reaching out for somebody else or, um, for example, law enforcement. We've done a lot of these for for law enforcement over the years, um, as well as um, participating in the the CIT trainings, the crisis intervention team trainings. And I have certainly seen a difference in um, the response from anybody who's taken it. So I think it just makes people feel much more comfortable addressing the issue. Do you feel that there is a hesitancy for people to sign up for a class like this as much as there is a hesitancy for people to reach out for good mental health? Is there a correlation at all? You know, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. Um, 
whether sort of the stigma is attached to signing up for the class? That's a great question. Um, I'll have to think about that one. But we do have a lot of interest for sure from, you know, various pockets. I think each industry has its own struggles, I guess, with either employees or culture. So we've tried to do these trainings for Jackson Mountain Resort, the employees. Um, we get a huge response from their managers mm-hmm. on doing this. And then uh, we've reached out to certain businesses. Um, the health industry is always, of course, really, really interested. More recently, I think the service industry is a little more interested just with the uh, the stress of the summer and the pandemic and, you know, just the steamroll effect of, of everything that uh, we've been dealing with over the last two, about two years now. Feels like forever, doesn't it? It it feels like an unreal time yeah. that it's just blown by. Now, the impacts have not. That feels as though that it's been in slow motion in some ways. But the time frame feels like it's just gone by so fast. And I'm sure that's, that's just for me. And, and I'm sure it's different for everybody, um, depending on how they've been impacted and um, influenced by, by the pandemic. Yeah. So different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kept us in this constant sort of stress state because it's, it's adapting to the new, whatever it is, the next phase for you personally. And we've had to go back and forth. So, you know, the initial shutdown, like dealing with, what do you do with your kids? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if they're doing online school and I've got to be doing my work, I can do it through Zoom, but uh, you know, obviously that has some complications and then school going back and um, not having childcare for, you know, other kids. And yeah, it's just, it's been a constant adjustment, I think for everybody. So yes, indeed. It has been, <laughs> it has been. Deidre, what is a website for the counseling center for people to go to, to get some contact information and reference information? Uh, our, um, our website is www.jhccc.org. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, leaving us with a, a final thought from you, I'd like one from you, or it could be several thoughts. If somebody's struggling with any of the mental health concerns that you brought up, depression, anxiety, bipolar, um, or if they think that they have somebody in their family who's dealing with those issues or a great friend, what's a word of thought help that you can offer to them to take action? Um, I think um, the biggest message I would give is they're not alone. But, you know, mental health issues are more common than ever. But, you know, prior to the pandemic, um, one in four is dealing with some level of, of um, mental health issue. So, you know, if you're in a group of four people, um, at least one of you is struggling. And we don't always show that we all, you know, we have to put on a good face. But it is really common, especially now. And it's, it's something that it's really important to prioritize. A lot of people do not prioritize self-care in general um, because we're so busy. And I don't know um, what it comes from, but taking the time for yourself maybe feels a little selfish, but it's really, really important, especially right now to check in with yourself and, you know, take some time to reset or take some time to reach out for help. We have so many resources in our area um, that 
are there to help that I think we're pretty lucky in that way. Um, there's always going to be somebody that can answer questions or offer a helping hand, whether that's, you know, your neighbor or, you know, a professional, there's always somebody there. Thank you for that wise thought and yeah, take some action. And I, I appreciate what you said that people don't prioritize self-care and we do, it's not selfish to take care of yourself first. Um, right. Think about when you're flying and what does the stewardess tell you about if if you need to use oxygen and you have a child with you, who do you put the oxygen on first? Yourself. Exactly. And then you put it on your child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Deidre, speaking with you has been a great honor and uh, so important for, for the listeners and what you do for our community. And I know other people that live in other communities who are listening as well they can find the resources in their communities as well. If, if anything, call national hotline and ask for being con- contacted, uh, transferred over to a local number if they need help. It's just that easy. Yeah. There, there are definitely resources available too. Mm-hmm. Well, you enjoy this slightly sunny, a little bit of hazy, smoky day. You'll feel better. And we'll certainly see you soon around town or at Rotary doing something in town, doing some good. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thank you, Stefan. You're welcome, Deidre. Have a fabulous day. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. To learn more about Deidre and the Jackson Hole Community Counseling Center, visit the thejacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 149. Thank you, everybody, who helps keep the Jackson Hole podcast alive and going. Many thanks to my wife, Laura, and my boys, Lewis and William, my editor, Michael Morey, and marketing director, Michael Morey again, and all of you fabulous listeners. Thank you for tuning in, and all you new listeners, we'll see you back next week as well.